Now, right now, we're in the middle of our countercultural series. And uh, each week, I think in, in 1 Thessalonians, we find out that, wow, uh, the Lord has things for us, plans for us, vision for us, goals for us, sometimes that are easy and uplifting, sometimes that are like, like more like you get kind of slapped a little bit, like, okay, Lord, I'm going to do better, right? I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to make it happen. And as we head here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, towards the end of this, this book, this letter in their day to this church, I believe that we see here in just a few short verses this morning, really the structure that God would have for us. I think a counter-cultural structure when it comes to what the church is, and just so we know, I'm not talking about like Radiant Life Church. We are a, a small portion, but his church, the global church. And what is that? You, you are the church, right? That's, that's where the church is. It's the individuals that come together to be the body of Christ. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 through 22, which is where we're going to focus in today, I believe that uh, there's a structure that's laid out that gives us clarity truly on how to be a true worshiper of God. Gives us clarity on if we're trying to follow Jesus and be countercultural, what that looks like. And so this morning, if maybe you've been a part of church for a long time, or maybe today you're here and you're just like, someone made me come, so I'm in the house. I believe that God will speak something to you that encourages you and brings you and says, man, maybe this Jesus, maybe he's got something right. And we believe, that's what we're here for, that he's got something right. Because every time I line my my life up with the word of God, something gets a little bit better in my life. Something looks different and uh, I get a walk in a new way. And so that's where we're going to be going this morning. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 22. And let's just kick it off by reading those verses. It says, we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil. But always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from evil and every form of evil. Now, when we read this, if you didn't notice, there's quite a lot in those verses, right? Anybody, there's like lists of things. They're like, yeah, if I can do all that, I'm going to be pretty great. I'm going to be a great follower of Jesus. My life is going to maybe look different than it once did. And maybe we're on the road to that. And so I, I pray that this morning we understand that if we can put all of this in, this, this almost diamond drop upon our, our life of the goodness of what God has called us to do, then man, we're going to take a serious step. And that's why this morning, calling this the Jesus structure, what he has, where he wants us to go, closing out this letter. He wants to speak to us. And at the beginning of it, some of you, uh, maybe in verse 12, you're like, oh no, we're going to talk about leaders and respecting our leaders. And and we are, You, you got it. That's what's in the word. But as I've been praying this week and thinking and meditating on what the heart of this is, what this means, once again, I believe it's not just a few verses or a few things to do, 
But it's if we can put our life under this, then my life is going to look a lot different. Where my respect of leaders around me is going to look, look a lot different. My respect and love, even for those that are difficult, I think is the word that we could use, or that, that are, are tough, and our worship's going to go to a next level. So let's dive in. Let's see where this, these verses take us this morning as we strive to grow together. First of all, we see in verse 12 and 13 that we're told to respect those who labor among us and are over us in the Lord. Or recognize your leaders. Here at Radiant Life Church, we are a part of uh, the Assemblies of God. Uh, This is very important. We are not a denomination. We are a fellowship that just acts and runs like a denomination. So I just want, we have to keep that very distinct for some reason. uh, That's something that we always say, we're a fellowship, right? But what is that fellowship? What's the strength of being a part of a denomination or being a part of a group bigger than ourselves? When I read this and think about it, and sometimes we think of leadership and structure, and maybe in our context we think of church structure, that there is a much larger structure than just at Radiant Life Church or just in kids ministry or in youth ministry or as lead pastor with a staff and with volunteers that so many of you, in fact, today I can see a whole bunch of yellow shirts, which means you are sitting in here now and you're going to go serve in youth ministry or in kids ministry in the next service. Or you just really like our ugly yellow shirts, which is possible, and that's okay too, right? But there's so many that are serving and they're a part of what happens. There's there's structures. But when I think of the church, it's so much bigger. My dad is a part of our presbytery team and has been for 40 years of the Assemblies of God in Ohio. He's been on the national level. I've been on the presbytery board, I think for maybe six years or now, Uh, as a part of helping the 14 or 15 churches in the greater Columbus West area, just helping them do life and ministry as well as they can, right? And then we've got a general superintendent that would be over all of that and his leadership team. And sometimes you're like, do we need all of this structure? Do we need all of these people? And repeatedly over the last year or year and a half, even with trying to figure out what do we do with COVID, What do we do with any situation? What do we do with personal life situations? I've had conversations with presbyters or people that would be above me. People that that will pour into me. Just a couple weeks ago, sitting with Pastor John, who's our network superintendent, as he just poured information, but then poured just his heart into me. As I was just being super honest, probably more honest than I, I normally am. And it was one of those moments as I've been reading where I'm like, man, I am so thankful Tiffany, I'm so thankful we're not just doing our own thing. I'm so thankful that we have people that are over us or that that pour into us, that help us, that help guide us. And sometimes that say, knock it off, right? In fact, I remember it's now been maybe five or six years ago, right out back here. Pastor Dave, our founding pastor. uh, Let's just say I was tired. I was a little bit exhausted. And I kind of smarted off to him about whatever was going on at church. And he basically told me, which he didn't use this word, so he probably didn't, doesn't use this word, so he probably didn't say this, but in my mind he did. He said, shut up, Chris. In other words, you don't know what you're talking about. He was direct to the point. He got to it, said, you need to get in line, or you need, basically you need to figure this out. And I'm like, at the time I didn't really love it. It wasn't like, woo, that was a great, but you know what? God then spoke to me and showed me that sometimes... We need spiritual dads or spiritual authority. That wasn't my dad talking. 
That was my boss talking, my authority talking, that says, get in line, let's do this, we can do it together. But sometimes it's difficult, sometimes it takes effort, sometimes it takes work. And when we can understand that leadership and structure isn't just something that we have and we have to deal with, a necessary evil, but it is there to help us and to guide us, then all of the other things that we read through can become a reality in our life. But if I want to do it myself, probably not going to work. Because I'm not going to have people pushing me along. And above Pastor John, or in my life, the ultimate authority is Jesus. If I can't understand earthly authority and structure, how in the world am I going to truly put the word of God and Jesus, my ultimate authority, how am I going to put this over everything in my life if I can't understand today, maybe my dad in my life. Pastor John in my life, people that authority are over me. And in your life, it would be different people in different situations. How can I understand the true, just the, the throne and the lordship of God in my life if I don't allow earthly authority, structure that he has placed over me to be a reality? And one that, as we look, it says, esteem them with very high, or very highly in love. Be at peace among yourself. There's something powerful that we must understand. And sometimes I feel it might be a countercultural feel to say, I am not everything. I don't have all the answers. I do my best. I strive to do my best. And sometimes, Lord, please, please show yourself. Lord, tell me what to do through individuals, through people, through encouragement. And it's great in a room like this with people that for many years have been a part of Radiant Life Church, a part of, of the family. I can look out and see people that through the years have said and been a spiritual authority in, in different times that have encouraged and helped and led to get me where I pray I am today. And hopefully somebody else has done the same in your life. When I was growing up, and that means I still am this way, I guess, but my big thing is justice. Like I want it to be just. I want it to be right. And if it's not just, if it's not what I would see as right, then man, I didn't do well. That didn't matter if it was when I was a kid with my parents, if it was at church, if it was anywhere. And people that were continually pouring into what, what I was and who I was that made and I believe have brought me a long way where I no longer, I think my wife can normally attest to this, where I no longer have to be right and I have to have the last word. And guess what? That's a hard thing to do if you believe you're right most of the time, which that's just what I normally, uh, thank you, I appreciate that laugh, right? right if you, it's hard to do, but then you begin to realize, oh, you know what? None of us are that good. None of us have all the answers. None of us know as much as we think we know when we start letting people pour into us, all of a sudden we realize, I should probably listen a little bit more than I did before. And in my own life, that's been a journey and a process to say, Lord, you have leaders, you have people, and I don't know everything, and therefore I want to be under authority. It's not a problem. It's not like, ah, oh, I have to do this. No, I want to be under authority, starting with you, my heavenly father, and then individuals that walk life that can see and sometimes say, hey, Seems like this might be something in your life. I need that. In fact, I believe when we understand and why the structure is so important, we crave to have people that can pour into us and encourage us. 
and push us all towards what God has. The Jesus structure begins with respect and love for laborers among and over you. It's so important. As we continue through these verses, the next one, and I was just trying to think of what maybe is being described here in verse 14 and 15. And it says, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Right? Like, I don't know. So this might not be the biblical definition, but in some commentaries, I think it's kind of saying, uh, help the difficult people or encourage the difficult people. Then encourage people that might not get it like you think they should. Now, my kids, they may be like many other kids. If you have children in the room, they love... Uh, especially my son Jordan loves video games. Like he is literally me when I was a kid. If you want to know what I was like, just look at Jordan. Literally, that's what we've got. And uh, I would have loved all this online stuff. He has friends he plays games with. I mean, it's really cool. Doesn't even have to be with them. Like so cool. I just was born a little bit too early, apparently, for all of the fun. But they're sitting on the couch and they'll be talking. And sometimes when they're talking about a noob in their game. Now, some, how many have never heard the name noob? You've never heard that? That's new. Okay, so maybe 20 or 30% have never heard the word noob. A noob is not like a newbie to video games. A newbie is someone that's new to video games. A noob is someone that does not want to learn to be good at their game. They think that they've got it. In fact, as I just did a little bit of research on a noob, they think that they are the best many times. They think they've got the skill or they've got the talent. They think this all this. In fact, they might even come up with their own language on video games or on online portal places that doesn't actually make any sense unless you are a noob because you don't understand and you miss the whole point of how to be good, but you believe that you're really good. Anybody been around somebody but believes they've got all the answers, believes that they've got it put together? Uh, in fact, I was in a conversation recently, and if you don't know that person or you don't have one of those in your family, it might be you. It's possible that you are that person. Uh, but this noob thought, and when I, when I begin to think about this, I kind of could see here a portion of Scripture where sometimes we can say, okay, I get the respect portion, I get the authority portion. I can honor and respect, and I don't have to agree. That's something we learn big time in leadership, or if we're under authority, we're not going to always agree in everything. But you know what's even more difficult for me, personally, is people that just do the same things over and over and over and over again. Anybody? It's like, I hate it when I struggle with the same things over and over and over and over again. So it is a it's equal opportunity, but I struggle with it. I struggle even more with people who struggle, but they don't see it as a struggle. Or they continually hurt people, but they don't see it and they can't experience it. They walk around as a noob on the earth, not on the internet, but literally in real life. And then I don't like these verses, if I'm going to be honest. Talks about the unruly. Demands his own and holds his own opinion or preference. The faint-hearted, who would really, uh, literally, uh, the, the word would mean small-souled. Or by nature or experience, they tend to be timid. They lack courage. The weak must be held and, and literally held up. But what I love being a part of is seeing people grow and step from these things into a healthy spot. What is difficult is when we pour into people and there's never progression. Right? And then 
the Bible. I don't like the Bible. Because it, it tells us to encourage. It tells us to admonish. Uh, it, which would mean or to exhort. To se- tell someone the truth. But without sharpness or critical spirit. Which sometimes that's, it's easier to tell people with sharpness and critical spirit. Right? It tells us to love. It, it tells us to, to uh, pour into them. And it says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. But always seek to do good to one another. The person that walks around as a noob or walks around in a diff- as a difficult person. When we understand authority, I believe that all of a sudden we can understand it's not my job to make sure that every person does what's right. It's my job to admonish, to encourage, to keep pushing. And then it's theirs, which means I'm going to keep doing what I've been asked to do, as my authority has said, which is to love and to encourage and to honor. Even when it's difficult. Even when I don't want to. Even when it's been years or it's been whatever the time frame, I am going to love. But I don't believe that we can do that if we don't have the authority, the structure to say, Lord, your word trumps my feeling. It trumps my desire. It trumps what I want. And there are, Lord, therefore, I am going to do what you've called me to do. I'm going to seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Someone that's difficult. Someone that might feel idle, that might feel like they just aren't getting it. Guess what? That's what Radiant Life, that's what the church is called to do, is to keep pushing, keep admonishing, keep helping. And I believe that someday every person, including myself in the areas where I struggle, there's going to be growth. And I pray that you are patient with me like I pray that I can be patient with you as we say, Lord, the authority of who you are wins. It trumps all. It gets it. And because you've called me to love and to take care, then I'm going to do it. Do it every day of, of my life. And I believe that even if that weak person, even if I literally have to carry them on my back into heaven, then that's going to be my goal because that's what we're called to do. And if we all can help those that are struggling or those that are weak or those that may feel idle or we, we just don't understand, then we can see the kingdom of heaven populated and not lose people to the kingdom of heaven because it's difficult. It's not as easy as I want it to be. Church, you and I have a calling. There's a structure to honor our leaders, but then as we do, and specifically from God all the way down, then we realize it's all about loving our neighbor. And when I honor my leader and love my neighbor, I can do it because I'm going to follow the word no matter what happens. I'm going to go after the things of God. I'm going to be patient with all. I'm not going to show evil for evil but I'm going to show love. So this Jesus structure begins with respect and love for laborers among and over you. It continues with the love and encouragement for the idle, faint-hearted, and weak. And then I find that it gets to the end, which I don't think we can do well unless we let those things be in our life, was when it all of a sudden starts to talk about rejoicing always. Pray without ceasing. Giving thanks in every circumstance. For this is the will of Christ. And in fact, it doesn't only stop with those. Like, those are pretty good. Like, I think if we can live our life in a way where we're, we're generally thankful and we're, we're giving thanks and we're rejoicing. Even in situations that aren't good. It doesn't say the circumstances are going to be good. It says give thanks in all circumstances. Then the last couple verses go on. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. 
but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And I believe that when we put ourselves in the word, under the authority of the word, which means under the authority at times, or generally all through our life, of other people who are going to pour into us and encourage us. When we love those that might even be difficult, that might be uh, uh, something that naturally I don't want to. Naturally, if you're a video gamer, you don't want to play with the noob, someone that's going to bring you down in your game. You don't want to do it. But in this life, we don't have the option of just playing with somebody different. No, we are going to love and care and bring the people around us to a place where they get to experience the love of God. And we're just like we, Lord, help us rejoice, help us pray, help us give thanks that that is our goal. Because it is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's what the goal is. And when we can get it all ordered up, when we can put it together, then he closes out. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. And why? Why would he get to this point? Because I believe that God wants to reveal himself to you and show himself to you and not only have you do things, but then walk with you through this life where all of a sudden I allow the power of God to be real in my life. It's why we once again are praying at the altars every single service, because I believe the power of God needs to move, and we're not going to quench or make it so there's not an opportunity. We instead want every opportunity for the Lord to move. If he wants to speak, if he wants to show himself, we ask, Lord, Holy Spirit, show yourself, reveal yourself. If it doesn't fit within our little schedule, our timesheet of what the service is, praise God, we'll just go a little longer, right? Who cares? We'll cut something else. We want you to move and in service on Sunday morning, but way more in your life on Monday morning is, Lord, don't let me quench what you're doing in my life. And Lord, don't let prophecies be something I don't want. But it is possible that God wants to speak to you a prophetic word, something that you cannot accomplish or get to without listening for his voice. But if I'm not going to submit to his authority, to the word's authority, to others' authority, if I can't show love, then how in the world is he going to speak those things in a way that I will move forward in? And all of a sudden I look and say, Lord, I must be someone that respects those, that loves those. And I'm going to be a worshiper because I get your heart. I get what you're doing. And I may not understand every single moment, but I'm going to push forward in what you are and who you are. I'm going to give thanks even when it's difficult in all circumstances. In the last two verses, but test everything. Hold fast for what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And I believe that you, church, I believe that I, I believe that Radiant Life, that we can let the power of God move when we're together, when we're united, when we're like, come on, this church here in Thessalonica a couple thousand years ago, come on, they had the Apostle Paul pour into them and today we get that same thing to say, let's go, let's walk together, let's encourage one another, let's build one another up. And because we can respect and honor and even help those in the room that you might say, man, I, I feel like I might be one of those weak people. I encourage you, be a new bee to something. But don't ever say, well, that's just the way I am. Walk with him, follow him, and he will bring you from where you are to where he wants you to be. And that will become what you want to be. 
Keep saying yes to him. Keep saying yes. And when a brother or a sister encourages or build up or the best, when the word of God, whether it's through a spoken sermon or through life groups on a Friday or Saturday or Sunday or Monday, whenever your group meets, or maybe someone just encourages you, we're going to see the power of God as we are going together and open to what he would speak so that we can worship. And we don't quench what he's doing in our life. We don't despise or hold out things that maybe prophecies, things we might not understand or, or, or realize, but all of a sudden we say, God, I want every bit of what you've got for me. So my prayer as we close today is that you leave so encouraged that you're going to walk in him and that you're going to take the spirit of God with you on Sunday afternoon and on Monday morning and Tuesday morning. Maybe there's something this week that's coming up and you're like, this is going to be difficult. I don't want to do it or it's going to be hard. Can I encourage you? Don't go alone, but let the Spirit of God go with you. Let the Spirit of God clothe you and walk through maybe something exciting and maybe something so difficult. and He'll use you. And maybe even, what would happen if we say, Lord, would you speak something to me? Maybe there's something you need and you say, God, I could really use a dream or a vision. I could really use a prophetic word in my life. I could really use you speaking something because I don't have the answer. And I believe God wants to do that for you. So church, we get to go encouraged, build up. Not because of maybe weak points in our life, but because I'm going to give everything to God. And I'm going to worship and I'm going to praise. I'm going to let his spirit guide me and direct me to love my world so that one more person can come to know Jesus. If it's all right in the room, if we could just bow our heads and close our eyes before we close today, I want to give the opportunity that if you've never given your life to Jesus, and maybe you've heard enough, you understand enough, and you say, I want this Jesus. I don't want to be someone that's on the outside looking in when eternity comes, and I want a relationship with the God of the universe, the one that put together a plan that died on a cross for me, but rose again on the third day and now sits at the right hand of the Father interceding. If you'd say, that, I don't have all of the things figured out, but he's knocking on the door of my heart. Then we're going to pray together as a church family. We're going to join you in that prayer. And if that's you, if you mean it in your heart for the first time or to rededicate your life, then God welcomes you into his family. And that is the mission. That's what we are about here is to see one more person come to know Jesus. That's why we are here every Sunday. That's why we do events. That's why we do groups is to see somebody else come to know Jesus. So if that's you, church as a whole, would you repeat after me? Mean it in your heart and God welcomes you in. So as a church, let's pray this together. Dear Lord Jesus, we love you. We repent of our sin. We turn from those things. And turn to you. We give you our life. We give you every part of us. Take us. Use us. Maybe hold us. Lord, you are so good. I'm never alone again. Because you are with me. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's give those that just prayed that. Let's give a, a round of applause. Nothing better than that when someone says yes to Jesus. And I want to encourage you. If you just said, that's me. If you just gave your heart to the Lord, 
I want you to do one bold thing. We have a book that we would like to hand you that uh, if you say that's me, would you just raise your hand real high in the sky? Pastor Brian wants to bring you a book. If you're over here, we don't want to miss anybody. If there's a hand up, we want to be sure that you see that. And if you prayed that, then please, I want to talk to you. Yes, thank you. I, I want to talk to you. And uh, there's nothing better than someone coming to know Jesus. Thank you so much. For the rest of the church this morning, can we go and say, Lord, what do I need to do in my life, in my personal situation? Is there an authority spot in me that I need to fix? Because if so, I believe when we allow God to do that, to put us in alignment, to put us where he'd have us, it, it doesn't get any better than that. All of a sudden, my love for my fellow man goes to a new level. All of a sudden, hearing. So let's go take the power of God, take the spirit of God with us this week to make a difference in our world. Church, be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you talk about. Savor the presence of Jesus.